Trigger warning, sexual assault. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Off Brand. My name is Kai Foster and I want to start this episode by giving a shout out to at GL underscore Joanne on Instagram. Joanne is one of my most dedicated subscribers that shared the Off Brand podcast on her fan page for me at Kai M. Foster underscore fan underscore page on Instagram. She's always super creative and sharing my content with others and she's also one of my international subscribers from South Africa. Thank you so much for sharing your support for Off Brand. I really do appreciate it and if you would like a shout out, all you have to do is follow Off Brand on Twitter at Off brand by kai that's o-f-f-b-r-a-n-d-b-y-k-a-i tweeting at the account will definitely help your chances but you can also be featured by sharing the off-brand podcast to instagram and tagging me at kai m foster new episodes come out every saturday and if you'd like to give monetary support in the form of a subscription to this podcast or if you'd like to support by purchasing off-brand merch you can check out the link in my instagram bio okay so before i get into this i have no ac currently in my apartment and it's been about a month however i didn't realize it until like maybe two weeks ago and um yeah it's been like 80 degree 90 degree days and now that i can feel it i am both physically and mentally heated from everything going on and yeah i'm just going through a lot right now so i'm really going to try to do my best with this episode and this is also kind of a tough episode for me because you know it's like you know it's touchy information it's touchy it's a touchy subject i guess so yeah i really thought that i would finally be able to talk about some stupid shit like dating apps on this podcast but 2020 just shows me every day how shitty people with certain privileges are male privilege is what we're going to get into today and specifically how it works alongside a sexual assault as a lot of y'all know black lives matter has been gaining serious traction in these past couple of weeks and for once it feels like maybe some kind of change will occur Now, I don't believe that there will be any kind of change that truly addresses the 400 years of oppression that black people have experienced and endured, and that even spreads far before that in other countries, but we are seeing some kind of shift regardless of how big. And at the same time that the Black Lives Matter movement was trending, I peeped that hashtag why I didn't report was also. Now, this trending hashtag consisted of women talking about why they didn't feel comfortable going to authorities after experiencing sexual assault. In times like these, especially with the amount of police brutality on our timelines, it's like kind of sad that it's even a hashtag. Like, I applaud everyone for sharing, myself included, because talking about it is a huge step in healing, but... The fact that we have to explain to men and other misogynistic women why we didn't report to cops is just like, damn. Like, y'all are clearly seeing the issues with law enforcement and still don't get why we don't feel comfortable. Like, there are even 35 states where cops are allowed to have sex with someone in custody. Like, what the fuck? Um, My tweet that I tweeted read, I didn't even know it was sexual assault when it occurred. In parentheses, I said twice. I had to repeat myself to friends who could see the situations for what they were. Women are socialized to give into the needs or wants of men before considering their own feelings. And end quote. Now, truthfully, after really assessing the boundaries that I've let men cross, I've been assaulted far more than twice. A lot of the time, when people hear sexual assault, their mind instantly goes to the word rape or penetrative sex. But according to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, sexual assault is sexual contact or behavior that occurs without explicit consent. Some of these things include attempted rape, unwanted sexual touching, forcing a victim to perform sexual acts, and penetration of the victim's body. And while there is a spectrum of sexual assault, one form is no worse than another because they are all violations of personal space. Glad that we have that established. You can be forced, coerced, or even completely unresponsive, and on all levels it classifies as sexual assault, and on all levels it is wrong. I've talked about my own sexual assault experience 
on YouTube last summer and for the sake of vulnerability and making sure people understand that it can occur in any kind of situation, I want to share my other experiences. And if you're uncomfortable with me talking about it, feel free to skip through. I can't really give you a time because I just podcast editing is weird like that, but feel free to skip through to the end. Now, the first time that I could recognize sexual assault for sexual assault was my freshman year of college, and I actually didn't even call it for what it was until a few months after when I was on the phone with a friend explaining the situation. I find that I have kind of a disgusting reaction to traumatic events like these where I will talk about it with a close friend and just like laugh it off. I find that I try to make jokes out of my experiences, and I really don't give myself credit where it's due. A lot of this stems from the fact that as a child, I had to deal with a lot of issues internally. Like, I wasn't extremely social. My parents were always busy so when issues did arise I figured out how to deal with them by myself or maybe I really didn't at all. Every day I'm unlearning things from my childhood but they still persist sometimes and I think one current manifestation of me not being confrontational with the ones that I love and keeping things to myself is unfollowing and more specifically blocking people and sometimes it's like really hard to decipher between people who know what they be doing and this needs to be a conversation. But back to my situation, um, freshman year of college was jam-packed with things that I had never done before and one of those things was sex. When my parents would talk about it, it was usually like in a preventative sense. Um, the only thing I can remember truly helping me out is my mom allowing me to be on birth control. And when I got to college, being around majority black people for the first time in seven years, like I just had a different approach to life now that I was a little bit grown and felt comfortable around people that I could relate to. I met a guy during my spring break over a dating app, Tinder specifically, and we started to hang out for the week that we were out of school. Now, this was one of the first guys that I had met who participated in what Joanna Coles in her book Love Rules calls entrapment style. Entrapment style is a mechanism that men usually are guilty of, whereas a potential suitor, they show a lot of affection and attention early in the game, but they ultimately have bad intentions. This guy that I had just met would always hug and kiss me in public. He would always buy me things and he would always make time to see me. Now, seeing as though the bar is in hell for most men when it comes to standards and expectations, this was kind of like revolutionary to me, as sad as it sounds. And, you know, I was confused as to why I was so deserving because his actions reflected nothing that I was used to. Like, I really don't have many positive male figures in my life. And as far as men that I've been romantically interested in, like, it really doesn't get much better. One time when we were together, I remember specifically asking him, why are you so nice to me? And I don't even remember his response. Fast forward to us dating a little bit more heavily we weren't in a relationship but that's like damn near what it was and it was almost time to leave college because freshman year was coming to a close and before I left college I started to experience health symptoms that could potentially point to a yeast infection or STI I told him that we need to both get checked before I engage in any more sexual activity and when we first met and before we had sex for the first time I asked him if he had gotten tested as I had and his response to me was yes and before i get any you know comments or i don't know side eyes we did participate in unprotected sex but most of the time like 85 percent of the time it was with a condom and the other times that it wasn't he usually kind of like coerced me into not wearing one so anyways i go to the clinic he goes to the clinic and for some reason he had no idea where it was and that was kind of just like <laughs> my first red flag and it takes a few days for results to come in so we were like already back home away from college in the same state mind you before we got a response i get a call from the university doctor or whatever a few days after i get back home i was told that i had a yeast infection and then there was like this pause and they were like oh 
you also have chlamydia. Um, when I tell y'all my heart dropped, especially because I knew that it was a situation where I didn't feel comfortable talking to my parents about it. I call him and even after getting his results, he's like still in denial and that is just where I cut off all communication and began to see our relationship for what it really was, you know, not giving him excuses for being a nice guy, not giving excuses where even I may have fucked up and being the person that he needed. And even to this day, I have a hard time calling out nice guys for where they make me feel uncomfortable because it's like such a confusing predicament. As women, we're socialized into applauding good behavior from men and simultaneously putting our own comfort on the back burner. After I found out that he gave me STI, I started to think about other boundaries that he had crossed and one of those was lying to me on several occasions about women and more unfortunately about the fact that he had never actually gotten properly tested. When I asked why he lied about that specifically, he told me that if I would have asked, he would have said that it was only for HIV. <laughs> now, I'm gonna let y'all have a minute to understand how shitty that truly is and that, you know, withholding important information is still lying. And to make matters worse, I thought of a time when we participated in non-consensual sex. To preface, this guy was sex crazy, and a lot of guys, though not him specifically, will claim that physical touch is like their love language when they just wanna fuck. Now for some guys it is, but a lot of guys will use that as an excuse to make you feel bad. Anyways, we had sex kinda early in the relationship, and it became apparent that that was what he grew to expect. This time around, I wasn't in the mood, and he would always like persist and do things to get me in that mood. Because if I say no and you get me to a yes, that's not wrong, right? But it is. And he proceeded to have sexual intercourse with me after a verbal no. One time before this, I had said no and he actually listened. But in that occurrence, he proceeded to ignore me for the rest of the night and play his video games. We had an argument after this and he literally told me that he was mad because he wanted to have sex more than once every two weeks. Even though we had had sex very often whenever we saw each other, he was basically like a gaslighting king, and after I made a YouTube video about it, not even mentioning his name, he continued to gaslight me by saying he did everything for me, yada yada yada. To make a long story short, he is blocked and actually ended up transferring to another university several states away. Now the second blatant time that I can remember was actually pretty recently. Um, I was a victim of stealthing, another kind of sexual assault that you may not hear enough about. According to Psychology Today, stealthing is when a man who is having consensual sex and has agreed to wear a condom takes the condom off without his partner's consent immediately before or during intercourse. A lot of men don't count this as sexual assault because a yes was given to sex, and that's the thing. A yes was given to protected sexual intercourse, not unprotected, and it is still a violation. I saw a tweet about this recently, and a lot of men in their replies were trying to combat the statement with, well, if a woman says that she's on birth control and she isn't, it's just as bad. First of all, <laughs> what aboutism when people are addressing traumatic events is so disgusting and you can honestly go to hell? Bringing up the fault of other women still doesn't solve the problem. And second, pregnancy is not the only thing that can happen because a man takes off a condom when participating in heterosexual sex. STIs, as I've mentioned, still exist and it seems that most of the world is only concerned about infections that affect every other part of the body. And men will become mad aggressive when you ask if they've gotten tested, but I'm digressing. Um, this other guy that I chose to have sex with removed the condom right in front of my face and I didn't react. I didn't react because the first thought going through my head was, did he really just... No. <laughs> and the second socialized part of my brain was trying to believe that it wasn't wrong. And for about a month, I didn't think it was. I even had sex with him after. 
But one night I was on the phone with a close friend of mine and I was retelling the story in like a very comical manner. I was even tipsy when sexual assault occurred, but I was still trying to make light of the situation. I feel like as women, we are always trying to make light of situations because we see potential and we see people for who they could be. But we really gotta start taking shit for what it is. And my friend didn't find it very funny. Um, and in talking about it with him, I realized that I had been sexually assaulted once again. Now I didn't know this man to the fullest extent and I'm not gonna beat myself up about that fact because he was still in the wrong and too often women are told that we should have looked for signs and you know really know that person maybe even only after marriage should we have considered sex but the victim blaming clearly has gotten us nowhere i reached out to him the day after i realized and he was like apologizing profusely come to find out i was like literally yesterday going through my twitter dms of like message requests and sometimes it gets overwhelming and i can't answer everybody at once but i saw his profile picture mind you we met on a dating app once again and he had dm me let me let me find it he dm me back in february I know you're taking a break from dating apps, but hear me out, let me take you out and you won't have to go back to them again. Mind you, I met this guy, ugh, I think in like March, maybe April, and I know coronavirus, so I just, I get it. But I met this guy and we literally just like had went on a walk and yeah, we were just trying to get to know each other. And I had no idea until yesterday that he already knew who I was. Like he literally came to me like we were complete strangers like he had no idea who I was and that shit like really freaks me out because it's happened to me before when guys are like you know interested or pursuing and I'm getting off subject but guys are weird <laughs> but yeah he was basically apologizing to me profusely and I used that time to also tell him that his stroke game was terrible if you don't do this that's great but I have this like terrible habit of gassing men when they aren't doing the best job and fuck men that ask why don't you just tell them that they're bad why don't you say no like it's such a tone deaf question coming from a man and I've even had close friends of mine say this to me a lot of the time women don't speak up because one men react in disgusting ways to rejection Two, you don't want to be the bitch that ruins the moment. Three, a lot of guys don't know how to take constructive criticism and think it's an attack on their character, which could put you in a dangerous situation once again. So a lot of the time, speaking up and not speaking up are the exact same thing. I'll never understand why people pressure and question the oppressed when we could easily just reform the oppressors. And the last experience that I want to talk about, I don't know if I can like actually classify this as sexual assault, and I'm actually gonna go on the side of no and I'll get into why, but I'm like always having these internal battles about stuff like this, but this one was just like really confusing and very upsetting. It happened like literally last week. Now, if he's listening to this episode, I hope he can really take what I'm saying in because we weren't able to have the most productive conversation about it. I'm gonna be honest and truthful about what happened, but I'm also not gonna like, you know, air him out like name or anything like that. Cause that's just like not what I'm really trying to do with this episode or just with my life in general. like. I want to educate and yeah so this particular guy I've known since last year compared to most of the guys that I've talked to we had great chemistry and are pretty similar in a lot of ways not in the ways that I'm about to get into but he was also Sagittarius and the parallels went kind of crazy in terms of this relationship though like when we were good we were great but when we were bad it was hell on earth and we had very similar arguing styles and very similar humor Regardless, I had recently asked if he wanted to have sex. Now, I'm usually not an asker, but this was like an experience that I was just curious about, and he said yes. 
Fast forward to when we were actually able to, and we did, except I had a full on breakdown midway. I talk about sex sometimes on my channel, but two things I want to address are hypersexuality as a result of sexual assault or abuse and persistent traumatic episodes after. A few times during sex with other people after I was sexually assaulted, I've had panic attacks or just like full on crying sessions like during the sex. and. We could just like, we could literally be having sex, just be having sex and my mind will go to the darkest of places during it. On top of that, I found that I would engage in sex a lot more often after being sexually assaulted. A video that I think does a great job of explaining hypersexuality as a result of sexual abuse is by Katie Morden on YouTube. She addresses the fact that the majority of people actually experience hypersexuality regardless of how long that period is after being victims of sexual assault. People on the outset may be confused about this occurrence, but usually it happens because for one, the victim wants to regain control. I think I relate to this reason the most because a lot of the time the excuse I would give myself for wanting to have sex all the time was sexual liberation and you know being able to do what I want with my body now, I definitely think that you know that's still a valid reason to want to have sex but in my case I think I was using that as a reason a little bit too much and it wasn't necessarily the truth second a lot of sexual assault victims will become hypersexual for validation something I'm also victim to Oftentimes in toxic relationships, sex is the only time, when consensual obviously, that you feel connected and close and you start to equate sex with legitimate intimacy when it's the only form of intimacy that you experience with that person. A lot of times in these situations, sex is where you feel important and unfortunately in a lot of guys that I've talked to or thought that I was gonna you know, be in a relationship with, this has occurred. And lastly, some people are actually just they generate a chemical dependency and sex can become an addiction and be one of the few instances for people that release feel-good hormones, much like a drug would do. So back to the encounter. I started to have a breakdown when we had sex. As a result of sexual trauma, there's like a voice in my head a lot of the time telling me that I'm an object, you know, that I'm too easy, that I don't value myself, and sometimes it gets like super loud, even when I know the person doesn't have bad intentions with me. And I was also a little bit tipsy, so things can definitely be dramatized in states like that. He starts to ask me if I'm okay, and of course I'm gonna say yes, because I already fucked up a really intimate moment, and it's like so embarrassing to have breakdowns during sex because they contrast the mood so much. I ended up going to the bathroom, he follows me there and is like continuously asking me if I'm okay. At this point I'm just kind of ignoring him, like I'm kind of mute because I didn't know what to say or how to remedy what was happening. I got back in bed with him and this is where I start to feel conflicted about everything going on. After, he asks verbatim if I could still give him head. Now I'm thinking to myself, read the room, bro. <laughs> like, huh? I was so caught off guard, and because I also classified him as a nice guy, my first thought isn't that he had bad intentions. Like, maybe he's just trying to continue on with our night in the most sound way possible. And that was the part of my brain that is socialized into considering the comfort of men before my own talking. So I continued on with him. And this is why I don't really count it as sexual assault because I did give him, you know, a verbal yes. He asked a few times and I said yes all of those times and you know I give the benefit of the doubt too often and I did ask to have sex with him so part of me thought that I owed him that at the very least even if I had just had a breakdown caused by sexual trauma. Things progress and he asks me to have sex with him to which I also agree because we had already gone that far. 
the night ends and in the morning I sent him this like super long message about how sorry I was and how I shouldn't have put him in that position when I knew of my sexual past because the night before he seemed very frustrated with me like even though he tried to assure me that he wasn't and to a degree like I still feel like me asking him to have sex was inconsiderate regardless of if I had true control over where my mind goes like Sexual healing is a conversation that many don't have because we can't even talk about sex half of the time with people that we should be able to. And he was still over the next morning and after reading the message, he tells me a simple sorry. <laughs> like that was it. And I apologize again and kind of just brush it off for the rest of the time that we're together. Now, a couple days later, I'm talking on the phone to the same guy friend that I brought up earlier and we're like really dissecting the matter. We both came to the conclusion that I was too nice in my apology and that I should really tell him how I felt, so I did just that. And he responded with sorry, but I politely asked before I did everything or made you uncomfortable. He also asked why I didn't just say no because it was confusing to him. And in my head, if there's confusion, I would take things as a no. But since I did agree to have sex after, I thought that his response was valid. And even after he told me that, my messages to him consisted of assuring him that I didn't think he sexually assaulted me and that I didn't think he forced me because I agreed. And even in this situation, I'm like trying to comfort someone that isn't giving me the same kind of consideration. The rest of the conversation was just a gaslighting mess and you know, me continuing to not feel validated. So I just sent him some links in proper Kai fashion where he could educate himself on why the situation was so fucked up. And these occurrences, on top of plenty of others that I'm choosing not to mention for the sake of podcast length, are too frequent. And I'm always so upset with myself for not recognizing the severity of situations when they occur. Disappointment with yourself is like unmatched and that's how I felt every single time on top of anger for the person that's done me wrong. Still, we gotta take blame off of victims. Like why didn't you say no is such a tone deaf statement because it takes the pressure off of those in the wrong. It negates everything that has happened to women even when they have said no. It negates the nonverbal cues that women give men to let them know that they aren't comfortable. And no is like, it's not always spoken, but expressed through body language and expressed through mood. Why must we ask women why they don't say no all the time? Like, why are we not upset with men for not creating environments where we feel comfortable saying a two-letter word? If you want to know more about how I feel about that specifically, I recommend reading an article by Sierra Hall called Why Didn't She Say No on the Elephant Journal blog. It's like a great read and makes several great points about the irony in that question. Something else that I have an issue with is people telling victims how to react at all. Like it's so insensitive and doesn't do anything for the accountability of the offender. Like why didn't you tell someone? Why didn't you leave? And what were you doing? Are questions that should never leave anyone's mouth when addressing someone that has been hurt in this way. And there's something else that I want to talk about that I've been reluctant to in the past. Regardless of everything that I've just said, I still sometimes find myself missing or feeling bad for the person that has done me wrong. Like, often it's because there were so many good moments present in certain relationships. Like, I still cling on to the good sides of people that I've been involved with and it's damaging. Some victims feel nothing but disgust and I really wish I was in that frame of mind for everyone that has fucked me over, but it's like so difficult. Like it's so difficult to unlearn things and it's so difficult to undo years of toxic socialization. Those voices in our heads aren't our own and like you can't be the owner of the thought and the thought itself. Like it just can't happen. And it's like while I can recognize these things and be this self-reflective, there is still so much work that I need to do on myself. 
and men can be victims too. I know that the focus of this episode was on women, heterosexual specifically, but I've just been speaking from personal experience. And a lot of the sexual assault that men experience happens before they are even men, um, before they're even of age to give legal consent. Too many times I've heard stories from my male friends who describe their first time, and a lot of the time it's with the much older women. And this does not get talked about enough, but I can't say it's because too many women speak out about their own experiences. I, I usually hear men getting mad at women because they are drowned out, but it's like, it's really up to men to dismantle the systems of numbness and oppression that they uphold because the implications, like, they impact everybody. And anybody that abuses their privilege, whether that be gender, race, or age, in these ways is just vile. So if you or anyone you know has been a victim of sexual assault, male, female, or non-binary, I hear y'all. If no one around you does, like, I genuinely get the confusion and frustration around an issue that doesn't get the respect and attention that it deserves and most importantly your feelings are valid so if you need any kind of professional support I can't necessarily say that my DMs are open because this is such a touchy and just difficult conversation to have sometimes so the sexual assault hotline is 1-800-656-4673 you can also chat with them online if you'd like tension has been like extremely high recently but we can't forget to take care of ourselves in the midst of chaos and i hope that you all took something away from this if you felt the same maybe share it with someone who doesn't i'm all about starting discourse where it's needed and this is an issue that is far from over once again make sure you follow at off brand by kai on twitter and i will catch you guys in the next episode